Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. So we're beginning, like I said, this new series called Rest for the Weary. Um, That's my prayer for the Texas Longhorns today. (laughs) God, give them rest after that beat down yesterday. I I, I kid, you know, God loves everyone, even Longhorns, so it's all good. Um, In all seriousness, though, that was was a lot of fun. But in all seriousness, um, I believe God has something for us today. And I believe God may want to speak to many of you and many, uh, many of us in this room, and, and not just about today, but even throughout this series, because no matter how rested you feel, whether you feel like you're a one on the one to 10 scale or a 10 on the 10 to, 10 to 10 scale on rested, I believe even if you're someone who's really good at resting practices and all those sorts of things, I believe God has a promise Um, And he says that rest is for you today. God has a promise that he doesn't want you to miss out on and he wants to give you. And so I want to start with just a a question. And this is a question you can discuss with your neighbor. What do you do to rest? All right, I'm gonna give you 20 seconds. What do you do to rest? Tell the person next to you anything at all. Go ahead, go. What do you do to rest? I'm going to get a couple answers in just a moment. What do you do to rest? All right, all right, all right, all right. Hopefully you've already answered. If your neighbor hasn't answered, give them a chance to talk. A couple quick answers. What do you do to rest? Anybody? Give me an answer. Watch anime. Watch anime. Okay, interesting. Anybody else? YouTube. YouTube. Okay, anything else? Take a nap, sleep in, anything else? Yoga, work out. Yeah, okay. Watch football. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways that we rest, right? I think the, it's interesting. Everybody rests in a different way, and we all have different ways that we, we find rest. Um, and I want to show you, uh, I want to talk about rest for a minute, because <clears throat> I think for a lot of us, we see rest in a different way. And understandably so, because we think about rest through one sort of uh, paradigm. But I want to show you something on screen here that, that just we kind of, we, we talk about the rhythm of work and rest in life a lot. Maybe you've heard that before. We've said that a lot around here, that there is a rhythm to work and rest. God actually, where it comes from is the way God created the world. God created kind of an order to things. He created the world in six days. He worked and created for six days, and he rested on the seventh, which we sort of understand our under, rhythm of rest in that 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 kind of understanding, because of course he then commanded, right? He commanded us to rest by creating the Sabbath and said, I want you to rest on the seventh day. And so we kind of understand rest in those terms. And the thing we need to know though, is that work and rest don't work like this, which you see on the screen, like on one line where it's like a, it's like a tug of war between the two. You know what I mean? Where like that that rest, uh, work is the antagonist to rest, for example, like, oh, we, we kind of pit them against each other, don't we? And so we're like, uh, you know, uh, there's, uh, this is a really busy season of work, so there's no rest for the weary, right? 
And we say things like that, and we think, oh, if I can just get over this season of, of work, then I'll get to some rest. But this is not the way God really designed work and rest. They don't work against each other. One isn't against the other, but it's a little bit different. And I'll show you through this next image. And it, it's, they're not on the same line. They're on different lines, and it serves a little bit more as intersecting lines, and they work together, um, not as kind of in a perpendicular sense where they, they, they actually create something when they both are happening simultaneously that's pretty beautiful. But let's just kind of, this is a simple two by two grid or matrix. And I just want to kind of th throw out a few thoughts of what might happen uh, if we do really good at work or really good at rest or really good at both. First of all, there's a couple assumptions on the screen. One, that you understand what work is and that what rest is. And we'll get into that a little bit through the series. But we did a series called Every Good Work just a few months ago to kind of talk about how God calls us to work. And so in this sense, work means your career, your calling, your the things that God's called us to do, the good work that he's called us to do. And rest represents all the good things that God wants us to do in order to be restful, whether it be practices or other ways that we rest the mind, body, and soul, right? So I'm gonna make it really simple and just assume that we kind of have a working knowledge of work and rest. You guys with me? All right. So let's go to the top left. Let's just say that you're not doing great in the rest thing, but you are totally working like a madman or a mad woman, right? You might say that you're feeling weary from all the work, because you're doing a lot of work, but not a lot of rest, right? We often think that's the workaholic, that's the person that's working 80 hours a week. They work a lot, they don't rest very much. But you know what, I know a lot of people that only work about 35 hours a week because they leave early every day. <laughs> and they still feel tired. They're not really working all that hard, but they don't understand how to rest. So they are under-rested, Therefore, they are weary. The bottom right, what about the person who has plenty of time to rest, but they don't really know how to work, right? This person is struggling to find significance in what they do. So even if they have a job, they find no joy in work. This person is often bored in life, right? Everyone say bored. bored. Right. A life absent of rich meaning and purpose, always searching for something else, always searching for a better job or a better work, tired of life as it is, they might be busy, but they're also bored, right? Let's go to the bottom left. The person who struggles both in work and rest, they, they feel like life is actually empty. Life is empty and void when the two things that are supposed to fulfill us, work and rest, aren't really happening very effectively in our life, it feels very empty, depressing, hollow, so to speak. Lots of people get here, even people of faith get here, rather easily because one, we've not really learned how to rest in the Lord, therefore we're having a hard time working and finding satisfaction in work. So what about the top left? When things are going right, when you're working and resting in the ways that are healthy and meaningful. <clears throat> well, the rhythms of work and rest kind of work in a way that life is full there. This is the fullness of life, right? Where we come alive in who we are, what we do, and <clears throat> our relationship um, with God is fueled through resting in the Lord, trusting in Him, living into regular practices of rest, discovering all the ways in which God has designed us and wants to fuel us. And so that's where like the different ways we rest come into play. And so we have this fullness of life. So perhaps I could say it this way today, that 
we're not just talking to the weary, <clears throat> but we're also talking to anyone who has become bored with life, anyone who has a feeling of emptiness in their life. And I think Jesus would say, I have come to give rest to the weary, to the bored, to the empty, and to anyone who is longing for life to the full. Are you all with me today? <clears throat> That's what we want to talk about. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to plot yourself on this matrix, on this kind of graph here. Plot, put a little dot, like what represents you? Are you smack dab in the middle of one of those four quadrants where you're like, that word really describes me? Or I'm maybe borderline, I'm like, I'm like, you know, weary and empty, or maybe I'm bored, almost full. Go ahead and plot yourself in your own, like just first take. This isn't perfect. You don't have to get it just nailed, but I just want you to try and give yourself like a dot on that. You got it? Everybody doing it? Because you need this for later. You got it? Don't, don't think, oh, this isn't that important. Try and get it. Got it? Good it? Got it? Got it? Get it? I don't know. Okay. Thank you. <clears throat> so I've titled today's message, The Problem with Rest. Look at your neighbor and say, we have a problem. Look at your other neighbor, neighbor and say, we have a problem. Now, I know some of you didn't even say anything. That's not really the problem, but here's the problem. The problem is we've made rest a matter of self-care over God care. Now that sounds a little cheesy, so let me say it this way. We've made rest a matter of selfishness instead of godliness. We've made rest something that we do. We rest in ourselves instead of resting in God. Rest has become something we make Material instead of spiritual. It has become something we guard like it's our, ours instead of it's a gift from God, right? We act like we are entitled to rest instead of grateful for rest. We abuse rest by working through. We use rest by justifying our absence. We claim rest when we waste time. We blame rest when we sleep through church. We dismiss rest when we're not in the mood, and we fail to see rest as spiritual food. <laughs> Who knew I could rhyme <laughs> in real time about the sublime? I don't know. I might have just, em <laughs> just embarrassed my kids, but I'm sorry about that. I know it's embarrassing to be related to me. Um, <clears throat> it's okay, guys. Everybody just felt really bad for me for a second. You don't have to. It was a joke. Um, we have a problem with rest. Oh, thanks, buddy. I thought you were gonna come take over for me. <laughs> I was like, is he telling me to take a rest right now? This is awesome. Um, I guess I need this. <clears throat> well, like I said, we have a problem with rest. For some of us, like I said, we've made it a matter of selfishness over godliness. And God has a purpose and design and a reason for rest. And we, and we have a problem with his version of rest. We just really do. We've tried to repackage the gift that God has given us because it's a gift. We need to remember that. We'll talk about that through as we go through this. But God has given us a promise and a gift. And we've tried to repackage it in yoga pants and a Netflix binge, right? <laughs> not bad things, but not rest. And I'm sort of joking, but, but, but have you noticed how resting has been repackaged under the umbrella of self-care? 
Now, self-care is an incredibly important topic. I know many of us have read a lot of blog posts. We've seen a lot of posts on social media about self-care, and, and it's good. And I certainly believe self-care can be a good thing and a healthy thing. In fact, it's not even a new thing, even though 21st century bloggers would want you to believe it is their thing. God's been talking about self-care a long, long time. He actually tells us to take care of our bodies and to take care of ourselves in his scriptures. But modern day culture, self-care advice can actually become repackaged in a way to look more like a ridiculous list of self-indulgences to justify our culture's perpetual need to focus on the priority of self, individualism, greed, and a me-centered way of living. Self-care does not mean selfish. Now, any self-respecting self-care guru would agree. So whenever rest is rooted in self, we've lost our way. We have a problem with rest. And honestly, when I hear most people talk about rest, it feels very selfish. That doesn't mean rest is selfish, but maybe we have a problem with it. And that, that happened upon a website this week called bestlife.com. <laughs> And they had a number of self-care tips, like writing yourself a love letter, or taking yourself out to dinner, or ridding your home of clutter, or ordering dessert whenever you want. Uh, right there in the middle of that list was the point to make sure you rest well, and take seven to eight hours of sleep every night in order to get that rest. And so by all means here, I'm not here to say, don't write yourself a love note, do it if you want to, order dessert whenever you want to, unclutter your home, all those things are fine and good. But rest is not another self-care, self-care tip, right? Rest is not that. Like, here's the thing. I agree we need our seven to eight hours sleep, but we need more than sleep to rest. So let me put this into some sort of framework in order to help us accomplish something today, that would be a good idea, right? Um, I'll start with a statement on screen. We make rest an external exercise. God created rest to be an internal condition. Yeah, just think on this for a minute. We're going to get there. In other words, we try and rest through external means by resting our bodies, trying to replenish our energy, Yet God is looking to give us rest where we need it most, in our souls. You see, God talks about restoring the soul over and over again in his scriptures. In, in Psalm 62, 1, it says, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Psalm 23, we'll talk about this one in more in a couple of weeks, but he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Jeremiah 31.5, for I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. And then Jesus talks about it because he wanted to make sure we got it in the context of the Sabbath, which is all about rest. And he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, what is he saying? Jesus says this to declare that the Sabbath, the very thing God created for us to have a rhythm of work and rest was actually for us. It's a gift for us. We, he didn't create it for, to rule us, right? It's not something that we try and um, become an external exercise because when it does, it becomes an act of futility. That's what happens in the scriptures. If you see any arguments in the New Testament about the Sabbath, what's going on is people made Sabbath and rest 
a rule and a set of rituals and practices instead of enjoying it as a gift, right? Therefore, it was absent of an internal condition. And what's the internal condition that God wants to give us? He wants to renew, restore, revive a tired and weary soul. That's what he's trying to give us. Psalm 116.7 says, return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. So let's call our external exercise the things we do day in and day out. I'll put this on the screen kind of as another image for you. But the external reality is mostly influenced and controlled by the mind and body. And within the mind and body is the soul, and the soul represents our internal world, our internal, internal condition, our inner self. Mind and body, sort of the external exercises. Now I want you to think about how most of our resting efforts really go in life. Most of our efforts, most of our concerns, even our spiritual practices aim to rest the mind and body. Consider how our body gets fatigued, right? Fatigue from things like staying up too late and getting up too early. So we try and survive the day by two coffees in the morning and a Red Bull in the afternoon. You guys know what I'm talking about. Our bodies keep going faster and faster until we hit a wall and we realize we need to do things to rest the body. So we start putting in rest, restful exercises, don't we? And so we sleep in, we take a break, we realize exercising maybe helps us, or maybe we physically even take our body someplace to kind of feel restorative, like going to a lake or going to the mountains or to our favorite couch or whatever it is, right? To rest our bodies. So we are actively trying to rest our bodies. And our minds get fatigued as well. So we have body fatigue, then we have mind fatigue. And they become, our minds become hurried from decision overload. Anybody? Right? I'm just tired of making decisions. My, my mind needs a break. Uh, all day long, we get information just thrown at us at work, or maybe you're just tired of looking at how many screens can I look at in one day and try and pay attention to. Our mind races with things that need to be done, should be done, are way late in getting done. And then our brains and our mind says, we have to stop. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, I'm done. I'm cooked. So we start to learn how to rest the mind. We turn our phones off. We eliminate distraction. Our world is talking more about mental health than ever, and that's a good thing. And we're wanting to truly help our minds find rest. And next week, Scott will actually talk about this particular area more, because this is a big one. Because we talk about anxiety or other forms of stress. And we are aware, though, of the physical and mental rest that we should be getting and we may or may not be doing it well, that's not really my point, but when it comes to resting our soul, most of us don't really know how to do that. And so most of our activity looks a little bit more like this. We find ourselves circling around in the areas of our mind and body. And so what we do is we rest our mind and body as best we can, because that's all we really can figure out how to do because it's an external exercise in our control. But then when it comes to the soul, guess what happens? We don't know how to rest it. And so there's an emptiness in the center and there's a void in the center, and, it's, and, and we have this hollow self. And so here's what happens is we can actually be rested externally, but at unrest and tired internally. It's why people can say, man, I don't know why, but the pandemic has changed my routines. I'm not near as busy as I used to be, but yet I'm more tired than I've ever been. 
And you're like, oh, okay, so it, maybe rest isn't a matter of physical exercise, like activity and how busy we are, but rest is something else that God wants to give us. It's an internal condition. We can be rested externally, but wearied internally. Are you all, are you all with me today? Many times we are unaware when we're facing soul fatigue because the soul doesn't have a gauge. So we're driving blind sometimes without the indicator light telling us that our soul is running on empty. That's why God says, I'm going to give you rest. It's something you can't get on your own. I have to give it to you. So I want to end today by shedding some light on resting our souls. Let's consider the very thing that Jesus pointed to in his famous passage about rest for the weary. You guys know this one in Matthew 11? Come to me, all who are Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your body? Rest for your mind? Rest for your souls is what he says, right? It, doesn't it just stand out differently now? My, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So how do we rest our weary souls? Well, Jesus in the text, first of all, you got to notice what he says. He says, hey, all of you are weary. All of you who are weary, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. All of you who are trying to do it on your own, I will give you rest. All of you who are really busy, I, I will give you rest. He doesn't, say, he doesn't say, hey, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you five self-care tips so you can take care of it yourself. He's like, listen, I got, I got a plan. He doesn't say that. He doesn't even say, um, you know, come to me and I command you to rest. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. It's a gift. He does tell us to do a few things, though. And I think it's important to notice what he says to do. because He's not absent of our participation. He says three things. We'll put these, kind of just highlight them in the verse. He says, come to me. He says, take my yoke, which if you've been in church, you might know what a yoke is, but a yoke is basically my ways, my teachings. Take my teachings and my ways upon you and learn from me. So he says these three things, and they're actually quite important, right? He begins with, come to me. He says, this is where you may, and, and, I, and I know this, that this is where many of us need to begin. We just need to come to him. No need to be afraid or hesitant. No need to be assured of all your answers. You can come to him with questions and doubts. He says, come to me. Whenever we come to him, it's always an act of faith to say, Jesus, you really are my, my hope. Jesus, you really are my answers. Jesus, you really are the, the thing that I can only recognize in my life that, that may actually be worth surrendering to. And then he says, follow my ways and learn from me. Take my yoke, follow my ways, and learn from me. And I think it's important to notice the two words that he uses to describe the qualities of himself when he says, learn from me. He says, gentle and humble. He says, I am gentle and humble in heart. 
That's, that's his yoke in his most simplest of terms. What's his ways? His ways are gentle and humble. Are those not very restful qualities? Right? It's not hurried. It's not loud. It's not proud. It's not all about the crowd. Here I go again. <laughs> right? Gentle walks through life instead of runs. Gentle slows conversations down instead of hurries them. Humble is not puffed up, and humility does not seek selfish gain. Gentle and humble is approachable. It's sacrificial. It's accepting. It's kind. It's patient. It's loving. You see, gentle and humble is Jesus. Gentle and humble is who we should be with our children, parents. Gentle and humble is who we should be with our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our enemies. Gentle and humble. Do this with me. Because here's what gentle and humble is. It's a, take a deep, a deep breath. Gentle and humble is restful. Entering into his rest is entering into his gentleness and humility. So let's go back to this condition of our souls, this internal condition of our souls. Dallas Willard, who has written many great books in his book, Renovation of the Heart, he says this. He said, we must emphatically and repeatedly acknowledge the soul as a living center of the Christian life. So it's not, your behavior is not the center of your Christian life. The, the, the practices you do are not the center of your Christian life. It's your soul. And he says, we must never forget that the indispensable first step in caring for the soul is to place it under God's care. So you're living... Your soul is the living center of your faith. So you must, you must understand how to care for it. And it can't be under self-care. It's got to be under God's care. Hmm. You have to place it under God. The soul must be under God's care because he wants to restore it. And if you're like, well, what, what's the whole point? Am I always resting? No, he wants to restore it so you can do something. There's other verses that talk about so you can soar like that of wings on an eagle. He says so that you can experience life in all of its fullness. But in order to restore, renew, and revive, we must regu regularly enter into his rest. Because remember, his rest is a gift. We are in control of his gift. It's a gift that he gives to us. Christy and I give each other uh, gifts, right? We've been married 20 years and we give each, there's kind of two kinds of gifts that we give each other. There's the gift that the other doesn't know about. We get the gift and we surprise the other with the gift, right? It's like a real gift. Then there's the other type of gift that I pick out my shirt that I want, and then I tell her to wrap it up. 
And then for my birthday, oh my gosh, however did you know that I wanted this shirt? Sometimes when you're 20 years into a marriage, you prefer that kind of gift giving because you get what you want. But that's not really a gift. That's just delayed gratification in my shopping. Right? And this is what we do with God. Do you understand that we take everything that he's wanting to give us and we say, God, I got an idea for me. If you would do it this way, it's going to feel great. And so we take his gifts and we repackage them in a whole different type of gift that he wants. But here's the thing about God's gifts. Like God, the thing about a real authentic gift is that the giver has to give whatever they want to give to whoever they want to give it to whenever they want to give it. Do you understand that? And so God has a specific way that he wants to give us this gift. And we've tried to make it work however we want it to work. So we take Sabbath and we go, ah, oh, that's not realistic. We take solitude and go, oh, I'll do it like rarely. We take silence and say, that's not really, I mean, we take all the practices that we see Jesus do and we don't really enter into rest that way. We enter into rest with a Netflix binge. Do you think that's what God meant by Sabbath? We enter into rest with going, oh, I just, need, I just need to take some time off of work. And we think that those things are what rest is about. And I'm telling you, it's not. Those things are fine and good. And self-care is fine and good. But God has a plan, a purpose, and a design to rest that we need to learn about. Because it's a gift that he wants to give us. And if we try and, and abuse the gift or manipulate the gift or make the gift on our terms, guess what we're doing? We're sitting on the throne. We're taking his spot and we're controlling how things go. But here's the thing, the real gift. Here's what we learn most about this gift whenever we come under his yoke. Beyond living like him, when we come under his yoke, the, most, the, the, the thing that we learn the most is that we have to abandon the outcomes and the results to God. And that, that feels a little off, but just follow me for a second because here's, here's really what's, what's happening is we have to allow God to be in control, right? We will grow weary when we try and control everything. We become rested when we entrust our life to God. So we, so what's this rhythm of work and rest? Well, we work the process and we allow God to be in control of the results. So we, in other words, obsess over the process and surrender the results. In gentleness and humility, we place our soul and our life under God's care and His results. So we'll work ourselves up into a tizzy to try and produce some result. And He's saying, can you just trust me for the results and just go and live life the way I've called you to live it under my yoke? Can you just come to me, take my yoke upon you and learn from me? Can you just be gentle and humble? Can you just enter into my rest instead of stressing yourself out every day, trying to control the results? That's like wrapping up your own gift. And I'm telling you, it's not as good as mine. See, this is where the problem with rest is. We just won't surrender to it. His gift is rest in a world of unrest. 
You see, when we try and control the world, we, under, we, we come to grips pretty quickly that we can't control it, first of all. We can't make everything perfect. We can't protect our kids from everything. And the world is not at rest. And when we try and find rest in the world on our terms, we will grow weary. So if you're thinking, wow, this is really great, but can you give me something practical? Can I have the five? I mean, I know you just said it's not about the five things, but can I have them? This would be helpful for me. Sure, let's review. Jesus said, come to me. Jesus said, take my ways on you, or take upon my yoke, my ways, and learn from me. So let's go back to the thing that you plotted earlier, the weary, the bored, and the empty. Remember that? Which one were you? Well, he says this, to the weary, come to him. Come under God's care and enter God's rest. To the bored, you don't have anything to do? I got an idea. Take on his ways. Courageously follow the ways of Jesus, even if it costs you something. And to the empty, maybe it's just time to learn from him if you're feeling empty. Like, be gentle and humble. Open yourself up to the life that God wants to do in you. Quit trying to control the outcome. Quit trying to force something. Just obsess over the process of following in his ways and coming to him. And he'll take care of the results. See, we gotta, we gotta find rest for our souls. And this is how we do it. We come to him. We take his yoke upon us. And we learn from him. We don't sometimes want the gift to be that simple, but that's what it is. So perhaps today, one of those three, or maybe all three is the one for you, but I wanna encourage you to like pick one and then apply it to your life. A lot of times we take messages and we don't really apply it. This is God's word and what it says, so maybe there's something you can, to, can apply. But I'll end with this. Hebrews 4, the very first verse I read at the beginning of the morning, it says that it says that God's rest is still for you today. And I love that line, it's still for you today. Meaning, <clears throat> today, you can enter his rest. And so we're going to close with a time of worship, and we're going to practice this idea of being fully present together and this idea of entering into his rest as best as we can. It's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be a start. So, you know, just allow this time to be a time to minister to your own soul and your own heart and say, God, I just want to enter into your rest right now. I just want to worship you. I want to come to an altar. I want to come to him. Some of you need to come to him in a way, a very tangible way today. You need to come and get on your knees and say, God, I don't have any other option right now. I just need to come to you. I'm weary, I'm tired, and I want to come to you today. And so this is going to be a time of response to the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, we just give this time to you, and we do ask your Holy Spirit to come. We want to come under your care. We want to open our hearts to you. We want to open our lives to you, Father. Only you, God, are worthy of our trust. Only you are worthy of our affection. Jesus, we know you don't owe us anything, but we thank you for the gift that you give us anyway. Father, I pray for any person in here that just needs to come to you today, that, Lord, they would. Give us the courage to trust you even when it's hard. Will we come to you for our salvation? Will we come to you for our renewal, our revival, our restoration? God, we give you this time. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we spend some time just worshiping?
hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.